0: But today, we're in our fifth lesson of our jailbreak series, and next week, we'll actually be concluding this series. Um, But today, we're in, in lesson number five, and we've been talking about that idea of breaking free, that idea of God setting us free, bringing liberty into our lives when we have been bound, chained to the floor in some cases, where we can't move on our own. We can't make decisions on our own. We're not at liberty to move or or, or desire to leave we may desire to leave but what we can't seem to leave even if we wanted to we're we're bound we're in jail we're in a prison of one kind or another we've been talking about the fact that a believer does not live in prison but in promise the scripture says he that the son has set free is free indeed and uh, for sake of time, I'm not going to do it. But the the song came to my mind as a, a song that was older. Whenever I was a kid, it's he that the sun has set free, is free indeed. No more chains of slavery. Anybody know that song? I'm all by myself in here. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to teach it to you at some point. It's a good song. But we're we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about that idea of being free from slavery and if you've not been able to be with us throughout the series I encourage you to catch up online podcast or, or video YouTube etc but when we see a miracle occurring in our life or in the lives of people around us it it seems like it would automatically be a moment of celebration and excitement and and, and just a, a sense of confidence would be there but that's not always the case. In fact, Peter is a great example of someone who's not really operating with a sense of confidence. In fact, he's not even sure that what is going on is actually happening. And so we start in Acts chapter 12, verse number 9. The Bible says, so Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts. And came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. I've been reading a lot of commentators through this study. And uh, it's kind of interesting to me that a lot of the commentators, uh, they, they, uh, they accept that there's a bright light. They, they recognize that there's an angel. They see that the chains fell off of Peter. But when it comes to the gate opening all by itself, a lot of them have, have said things like, well, this wasn't a literal occurrence or this was a, uh, this was language used commonly in the, in the time to say, okay, if there's a bright light where it's all dark and there's an angel showing up to lead somebody out of some place and they stand up and the chains fall off of their, I think the gate's going to be Okay. There's a lot about this that we're looking at going, okay, I don't really understand how that happened. Maybe the angel reached out and opened the gate. If, that was, if that's what happened, that's cool. But the scripture said that it opened all by itself. And that's not the part of this story that I'm going to choose to argue about. But it says, so they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses and said, it's really true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. So this whole time, Peter feels like he's in a dream. We know that Peter's already been delivered from prison one time. We know that he has seen a vision, the sheep coming down and animals, unclean animals there, and and he, he communicates with God and and the Lord's telling him what, what he needs to do. And so we know that Peter has an understanding of what each of these moments feels like or, or seems like. And in this moment, he feels like he is in a dream. He's, he's, he thinks he's experiencing something that's disconnected from reality while he's actually experiencing reality itself. But to his credit, Peter has the faith to follow. He's in the cell And he's got to get out of the the exterior walls of this prison. He can stand up and he can move around. He's got a little slack in his life right now, but he's not completely liberated just yet. And so Peter has the faith to follow the angel from the place of the cell to outside the gates, even though he doesn't really truly understand what's going on. And I would ask the same about us. Do we have the faith it takes to follow in these in-between moments, these, these times when you have a need, you have a hope, you, you are praying, and it seems like something is starting to shift, something is starting to change, but it's not done yet. In these in-between times, we, we want to believe that something is changing. We want to believe that things are going to be different than they have been before. We we know that God can do it. We're hoping that God will do it, but you're not actually sure it's happening. And in these uncertain times, faith vacillates. Sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low. Have you ever experienced that in your world where you're praying for something and, and, and some days you can declare it like it's already done. And some days you just feel like you're done. You don't, you don't know if you can believe it any longer. Faith vacillates. And so our big idea today, if you're a note taker, I encourage you to take some notes in your service guide. There's an opportunity there for you. But the big idea is this, exercise the faith to follow. Exercise the faith to follow. And sometimes when we think about faith, we think about faith as something as, that is given to us that just is. And then it takes nothing on our part to engage in this thing called faith. But the truth is, faith must be exercised. And exercise only makes a difference when it's against a restriction, something pushing against you. There's a resistance involved in the situation. Nine times out of 10, I get up in the morning, around 4, I do my devotion, and then after that, I go spend some time with exercise, and then continue on with the day. But on Tuesday mornings, I don't do that. On Tuesday mornings, I have to be here at 6, from 6 to 7, we have a prayer, prayer time, it's a great prayer time, I encourage you to join us when, if you're able to. But on that morning, I get up at 4, and about 4.15 to 4.20, somewhere in there, is when I begin exercising. Now, I I promise you, there's never been a time that I've woken up at four o'clock in the morning and went, great, in 15 minutes, I want to be on a treadmill. There's not a a single time. It's an exercise of will to do that because I naturally, there's a natural resistance that says you can sleep in a little longer if you want to. And, And then after the exercise of will, then there's an exercise of muscles where I'm on the treadmill or doing whatever other kind of exercise that I'm doing on that day. It's an exercise of will, and it only benefits when, it, when you have something pushed against you. If you only do the thing that you want to do, there's no resistance to that. Everything in you is saying, yeah, that's what I want to do. It's when you push against something that doesn't want to go in the direction that you want it to go, that suddenly you become stronger. Over time and through discipline, we become stronger over and over again, whether it be in will or in muscles or in any other activity that you're doing in your life. And that includes faith. It must be exercised. And I have three thoughts for us today. And thought number one is this. Following means participating. It means participating. You will never get stronger in the thing that you do not participate in. Nobody has ever gotten stronger watching an Iron Man while eating a Twinkie. (laughs) Never occurred. If if that were true, there would be a ton of ripped people in this world. A lot of people watch the Iron Man. A lot of people eat Twinkies. That does not result in strength in life. You have to participate. Peter thought he was having a vision. But his willingness to participate in when the angel said, follow me, that actually resulted in his liberation. His participation led him out of that prison. He acted on what he did not fully understand. He followed the angel when he didn't really understand what was even going on in that moment. He doesn't know how he's going to get there. He doesn't know how everything's going to work out. He doesn't know that the gate's going to open all by itself. He doesn't have any idea. He's just following the angel by faith. See, Christianity is a relationship-based belief system. We are in relationship with Christ. We don't believe that we're just engaged in an overall um, uh, spiritual pursuit without an actual connection. When you and I were saved, we became children of God. Amen. We pray and we can have connection and communication with God. Amen. So we are in a relationship with God, but relationship always requires participation. It always requires participation. Without participation, there can be no relationship. Recently, I read about a Singaporean man, a gentleman that lives in Singapore. He's a very successful businessman, and he is petitioning the government in order to be able to marry a silicone doll that he purchased. We'll leave that there. But this doll, he, he says that he has a deep spiritual connection with this doll. The psychiatrist says he needs therapy. This is all in the article, you can read it for yourself. So the reason why the psychiatrist says he needs therapy is because it doesn't matter how realistic a doll it might be, the fact is it cannot reciprocate relationship. So there's no way that he can have an actual relationship or connection with this inanimate object. Now that's unique in that situation. But how many times have I heard people say, I'm trying to build a relationship with someone, but they won't participate. Or I've had a marriage for 20 years, but the marriage is falling apart because it seems like they're just not there anymore. In order for there to be true relationship, there has to be reciprocity. You can't have relationship with somebody that doesn't participate. And so God desired relationship with humanity. And so he created opportunities for us. And he invites us to participate in a reciprocal relationship. Now in that, we are not equals. It's not like, well, God wants to have a relationship with me, so we're on the same playing field. We're level with one another. Absolutely not. In a situation where there's one with great authority and one with little or no authority... The relationship must be desired by the one that has great authority. And God says, "I want a relationship with you. We can't demand it. So He says, I, I'm, "I want one, so I'm going to give you a way to have relationship with me." So let's look at the most widely accepted and widely known relationship that exists between the savior and the saved. We're the saved, and He's the savior. We recognize that he's God. So the Bible says in Hebrews 11, it says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. You have to have faith to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those, excuse me, who sincerely seek him. So we have to recognize our need for him, recognize that God exists, and then because we see that God exists, he's so much greater than us, it causes us to try to seek to know him. But we, tried, we seek to know him because we believe that he is going to reward our seeking with finding. So we seek with sincerity. He's offering something and, that, and we're responding to that and that is reciprocity. There's a reciprocal relationship beginning And then, once we start learning something about him, we learn about his salvation plan. His salvation plan is offered to us. And we declare our belief in him. Look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Scripture says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Now, think about this with me for a moment. Does God need us in order for him to offer salvation to us? The answer to that is no. No, God can offer salvation without our participation whatsoever. But he's not just dumping salvation out upon everybody all the time with no reciprocity. He says, first, you must believe in your heart. He doesn't need anything from us. And yet he he says, I require that you believe inwardly and you confess outwardly that I am Lord. Why? Because relationship always requires participation. And he wants a relationship with us. So he says, I don't want you to believe only, but I want you to declare. I don't want you to declare only and not believe. It has to be both has to be sincere it's reciprocal relationship is it because we have sought so well that we find you know I I am such a good seeker that I finally found salvation it was in a barn in Iowa in a barrel (laughs) but I sought and I sought and I sought and then finally Because I sought so well, I found. No, that's ridiculous. Do we become worthy of salvation because we have declared? I declare super loud that I believe Jesus is Lord and Savior. So now I become worthy of his salvation. Is that how it works? No. So we cannot earn it. Through our seeking, we don't deserve it by our declaring. So if we don't earn it and we don't deserve it, then how is it that we are saved? We are saved because we are sincerely seeking the thing that Jesus is wanting to give, that the Father is offering to us. It's reciprocal. So God offers a journey of liberation for you and for me. And the question is, will you participate in his journey, in what he is offering, in accepting Christ in Lord, as Lord and Savior, believing in your heart, declaring with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, as Miss Betty just talked, about us to, talked to us about a few moments ago. When we do that, it's us participating in his plan, his plan for relationship with us in life. It truly takes faith. It always takes faith to follow. And that brings us to thought number two, that life with Jesus is a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith. It's not a stand of faith. It's not a sit of faith. It's not a lay down of faith. It's a walk of faith that it's consistently moving consistently working it's consistently active and being exercised in every single moment and I think that in modern Christianity in working to make Christianity understood to the more logical mind is easy to forget that at its core it's a walker movement of faith no matter how much we can understand I, I like apologetics. I've, I have a lot of books on the subject. I've met some apologists. I met Lee Strobel a couple years ago, and he signed a book for me and gave it to me. Very kind of him. Nice guy. Good speaker. Smart man. I enjoy what's brought to the table on all of those levels. But the truth is that our ability to understand the Bible in every aspect ends at the fourth word in the beginning God as soon as we get to God we enter the realm of faith as soon as we get to God we get to the part where I can't explain it entirely I can't comprehend it entirely I can't know it entirely so it becomes a walk of faith we just read where Hebrews says I can't please God without faith but we also know that salvation Requires faith. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Our faith connects with his grace. And it results in our salvation. It's his gift. How about the fact that daily living in Christ requires faith? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. So that inherently tells us that I, I'm not walking my life out in Christ by, based on what I see, based upon what I can comprehend. No, it, it's by faith. There's an unknown element to it that, that I have to step out and say, I believe Him even though I can't track His logic even though he doesn't make entire sense to me, and maybe I don't even like what he says. There are some things that are in the Bible that if Micah Sutton was writing the Bible, they would be different. But Micah Sutton is not God. And you are grateful for that. <laughs> if you're not, you ought to be. <laughs> How many lighten their by? I'm not going to say that. Um, I was thinking about lightning bolts and judgment and not good. I'm repenting at the end of this service. I'll meet a prayer partner. It takes faith. Being right in God's sight from start to finish requires faith. Romans 1 verse 17 says, This good news tells us how how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith as the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life so so we know that it's by faith we know that faith is required but we often forget that faith is consistently active it's consistently working and every single day that active faith is tested It's always tested. There's always something pushing against your active faith in life. And human nature is such that we will often follow Christ by faith until we don't understand, we don't comprehend it, we don't like it, or we we just don't agree. It doesn't make sense within our way of thinking. So we'll follow what God says until. And that's where where active faith is tested and pushed against. It's where we have to decide, do we really have the faith to follow? It's a walk of faith. Because when we hit those moments, we often strike our own course. Who we follow in times of confusion or times of disagreement, really declares who our faith is in. If our faith is in culture, then when Scripture doesn't agree with culture, we follow culture versus Scripture. If it's friends, then when friends don't agree with Scripture, then we'll follow friends versus Scripture. If it's parents, then we'll follow parents versus Scripture. If it's children, I know people who have changed their entire belief system that they have held for many years because their child decided not to live for Christ or not to engage in the word of God. And so a parent said, well, I can't... I can't handle the idea that my child may not be right, so I'm going to change everything that I think and, and have believed and what Scripture says based upon what my kid is doing. What that is, is faith in a kid more than the Scripture. And I could go on to parents, grandparents, financial advisors, doctors. Do we follow the Holy Spirit in Scripture? Or. Do we really put our faith in things of this world? Whoever you follow when you don't like something, disagree with something, or understand something reveals your true faith. So we say things like, I follow Jesus. But when we don't agree with where he leads regarding our time, well, I just don't think that that's the best way to be spending time. Then we chart our own course. Or how about our money? Well, there's a lot of reasons why that's not the best way to handle money. So I'm going to follow my own path. Or relationships. Oh, I know what the scripture says concerning uh, premarital sex. And I know what the, the scripture says concerning how a good friendship would, should be one that leads me closer to Christ. I, I know what the scripture says about relationships. But, you know, it, it, I mean, that, it, it, on other things I believe scripture. But on this, you know, God understands. How about sexuality that's a pretty big topic today do do we follow the things of this world or do we follow the Word of God what is our faith actually in if that is us today then we may have bought into cultural Christianity which one could argue is not actually Christianity because it's not following Christ in all things. The, the scripture says that we are called to give all of ourselves to him in order to receive all of him. In no part, in no point rather, is it part of ourselves for all of him. We are crucified with Christ. We are dead to sin. We died and became a new creation in Christ Jesus. That There's no halfway with any of that. Born again. Saved by God. But culture makes active faith seem obsolete. And so we become more comfortable with the concept of faith. Where immediate consequences really aren't on the line anymore. We spend time debating points. I have to take a break from Twitter every once in a while because I follow a lot of Christian leaders and I get really frustrated with all of the finger pointing at this church or that church or this situation or that believer and, and and what they're doing wrong and what they're doing wrong. And I want to tweet back and I don't because the Twitter war is not a great way to spend my life, but, but, but I want to tweet back. Who's the last person that you led to Jesus? When's the last time that you saw somebody saved through your efforts? Or is your only calling critiquing other Christians? That's not biblical. Pastor Micah, that is good preaching right there. <laughs> Let's not spend, I believe in truth and I believe in false. And I think truth must be declared and, and error must be taught against. And, and, but, but Twitter is not the place to do that. No difference. Okay, anyway, I'm moving on. So today the call is, do we decide? We're standing in the cell and we're not yet liberated. So do we decide to follow him in areas that we don't understand? So don't say, I trust him with my salvation if I can't trust him with my family. Or I trust him with my salvation, but I don't trust him to handle my time. I I trust him with my salvation, but I, I can't trust him in how to handle money. Or I trust him with my salvation, but I can't trust him on how to handle my sexuality. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If we can't trust him with the things that are within time, which are just a blip on, it's just a blip on the radar. It's the only blip we know. So it becomes our everything. But we say we trust him with things eternal beyond our comprehension while failing to trust him in things of time that we actually can make the choice about. The question is, do we trust him? So, so how, how do we make it from the cell to the perimeter of the prison? Next week, I'm going to talk about how Peter gets out of the prison And he's confused about what's actually, is this really happening or not? So he gets out of the prison and finally comes to himself. And he realizes, I'm out of the prison. And he makes it to the door where the church is praying, Rhoda's house. And he knocks on the door and Rhoda keeps him locked out. So now he's in a place where he's finally realized he's free. But now the folks that are praying for him to be free can't figure out that he's free. So we're gonna talk about that next week that's just a little plug for you <laughs> but how do you deal with that in between where you're not sure you know you're free from the chains that have you on the floor but you're not out of the prison walls yet how do you deal with it thought number three trust Jesus you say well is it really simple that simple yes it's actually that simple do you trust Jesus that's a easy question to ask it's not an easy question to answer because here's the truth trust is only tested when you don't understand or don't agree that's the only time it's tested when when my dad did our wedding uh, the wedding of christy and i we've been married 25 years now so apparently he tied the knot pretty tight and so it's working out But at our wedding, we did traditional vows. And and since my father being my father, who I love, by the way, because he will probably watch this. Yeah. But he said, uh, do you? uh, I can't remember at all right now. But basically, he said uh, to Christy, will you obey him? And she said, I will. And he said, will you obey him? And she said i will and she, he said will you obey him and by that point even i was wishing he would move on um and she said i will and he was just picking on christy but the idea of submission within marriage of any kind and and i you'd have i i could teach on that a lot but the the only time that statement or that declaration is ever tested is when she doesn't agree with me. So I know that Christy will operate in submission because there have been times that she has looked at me and she said, I don't agree with what you're about to do, with the decision that you've made, but I will go with you anyway. Why? Because she trusts me. She may not understand me, I don't understand me all the time. She certainly doesn't always agree with me. But she does trust that even in my limited capacity as a human, I have the best interest of my family, our home, our kids, her at heart. Have I gotten it wrong? So many times. But she continues to trust. Why? Because she has tro- chosen to trust me. It is only in those moments whenever you say, I don't like this. I don't like what Jesus says about relationship. I don't like what Jesus says about sexuality. I don't like what Jesus says about money. I don't like it. I don't understand it. I may not even agree. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. It's only then that true faith is in action because it's being resisted. And Christ calls you and I to follow him. And there's an old song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Anybody know that song? More than the first song I tried. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And there's a second verse that says, Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Why is that important to say? Because when no one's going with you, it's resistance against your faith that the direction you're going is right. Well, the rest of the world's not going that way. Though none go with me. My family's not going that way. Though none go with me. My teachers aren't going that way. Though none go with me. My history doesn't teach that. Though none go with me. I don't understand it. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The question is, do you trust Jesus? You say, well, I'm giving it my best shot. Prayer partners, come on forward. A father brought his son to Jesus one day, but Jesus wasn't there. Prayer partners, come forward. As he comes to Jesus, he says to the disciples, I'm looking for Jesus. He's not here. Can you cast the demon out of my kid? The disciples can't do it for whatever reason. Then Jesus returns. And the guy looks at Jesus and says, Hey, I tried with your disciples. That didn't work. Can you cast, can you make my son whole? And Jesus looks at him and says, I can, if you can believe reciprocity and the man said I believe help my unbelief he's saying I I believe every bit that I know how and every bit that I can but there may be some unbelief somewhere in my life and I'm just asking you who knows all things I'm asking you you know that so don't take the little piece against me Take everything that I brought to the table and then fix the thing that's again. I will follow you in the thing that I don't understand. And Jesus met him right there and made the sun whole. In the in-between, offer the faith you have and keep following. Jesus will meet you there. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your people. You see where every single man, woman, boy, and girl are right now. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially. You know where they are relationally. You know in every aspect of their life what has them bound. Sin and death would like to hold them. But Lord, you have come that they might have life. They they may be free. And he that the Son, you have set free, Jesus, is free indeed. Today we put our trust in you. In the things that we get, in the things that we like, we put our trust in you. In the things that we don't understand, in the things that we don't like, we put our trust in you. In the things that we cannot comprehend, we put our trust in you. And so today, meet us here and lead us into liberty. In Jesus' name we pray. And if that's your prayer, would you just say, Amen.